we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta <laughs> Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. All right. All right. Hello, and welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. I'm Scott Westby. And I'm Matt Waterworth. We are Full Swing Productions, and every week we bring you news, tips, and interviews from the film, video, and digital media industries of Alberta and abroad, maybe, today? Hmm. But we'll get into that yes. later. So, um, damn, it's been a long time since... Uh, you and I have I've done, done this. this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you been kind of carrying the ball while I've been away. Um, how have you been? I'm good. I've been yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we may as well. The thing that's exciting me the most in my life is is just having seen the uh, rough cut of this movie in plain view. Oh yes, yes, yes. In plain view is this feature film that we shot. Um, yeah, in October. And, and you know, the advice you get uh, from from you know Robert Cuffley and and other filmmakers, they all say, you know, you're gonna hate it. You're gonna hate your first cut. Don't worry. It's gonna be it's gonna be horrible. But you're gonna make it a lot better in editing. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. So uh, you hated it. So my so, <laughs> so well, my expectations were low. I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so yeah, it ended up being a, a really pleasant surprise. It was really um, in a much better place than than we thought, and that's of course thanks to Ken Filowich who's doing the editing and yeah. and just really you know it's hard to call it a rough cut. The amount of work he put into it, absolutely, is, I completely agree. Is um, far from rough. Yeah, it felt uh, it felt really good. Um, the story was there. The motivations were there. Characters were clear. God damn, do we ever have an excellent cast? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so already, even though it's still, it still needs work, you can already see just the quality that's built into this thing mm-hmm. um, and how everybody came, you know, came together and, and put so much into it and, and the work is showing anyway. So um, I, I don't know if I can overhype it. I don't know how it's going to, how good it's going to be, you know, at the end. And, yeah. And, yeah. And obviously we're close, so we for can't sure. tell for sure. But uh, but at yeah. least it wasn't it garbage. wasn't a, yeah it wasn't exactly. horrible it's garbage. not <laughs> yeah I mean I, I don't I, I don't think we made a bad movie mm-hmm. which is nice when so many people have devoted so much time uh, yeah to to help make it it's nice to be able to say you worked on something yeah. valuable hopefully so personally for me my personal experience with it was oh my god this is awesome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah so, I don't want to overhype it either but it was like but wow, it's like, this is way better yeah than and and I think because we are so close to it you know i'm i'm really really excited about it um and yeah. i hope that uh, our audience will be too yeah so uh what's going on in the full swing world um the commercial world calls us back yes yeah, this is right. yes it's very uh yeah. very busy um so lots one of, of those things yeah, yeah yeah like we you know we we talk about owning our own business and we can give mm-hmm. up the time mm-hmm. to go make this movie but now Right, we're back into those, you know, those three need- weeks of shooting and, and much more time than that. Of course, yeah. uh, we're certainly um, harmful is the wrong word, but it was neglectful of that side of the well, business. Well, yeah, I mean, we need to in. go and, and earn a salary yeah, now, and for uh, sure. so we're back to the to that world, which continues to amaze me, mm-hmm. uh, and helped us buy a, a little drone that we've got now. Ah, uh, yes, yes, the DJI Phantom Four, right, mm-hmm. which is a drone that basically flies itself. <laughs> so we had it out. It's pretty uh, amazing. We had it out in the snow today, and and. And you push a button and to say take off, and mm-hmm. then it takes off. Yeah, and it just, just hovers there, levitates. Yeah. yeah, and then you're like, land now, and it's like, yep, I'm landing, and it just lands. And you can like, po- you can like tell it on the screen, be like, follow this object, and it just will. <laughs> yeah, and not bump into things. Like, and I, I didn't even know it did that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it does that. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, um, that's amazing. So, yeah, I feel like a nerd. I feel like relate to the game here, but uh, but it is pretty sweet. It's no wonder exciting. people love drones so much. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get on to uh, some real news that people care about. So the um, uh, Gil Cardinal, uh, an Albertan filmmaker that uh, passed away recently, uh, his legacy fund has finally been announced. Um, 
and they've announced the first recipient who is Heather Hatch's Damning the Generations, which is going to get a $2,500 award towards the production of a trailer and demo for a uh, this documentary. Um, and it's interesting, Miss Miss Hatch um, felt that her project reflected some of Gil Cardinal's work over the years. Mm. Um, of course, he was the recipient of last year's David Billington Lifetime Achievement Award right. uh, and passed away, oh, a, a year ago, November. So, wow. yeah, it's great to see that uh, his legacy uh, lives on and, and uh, is moving now and actually helping filmmakers. Mm-hmm. So the Rosies are coming up again. Uh, there's been a date set, hooray, and it's happening in Edmonton this year, uh, April 29th, 2017, at the Shaw Conference Center, and um, yeah, obviously more information to come from Ampia regarding that event and um, a deadline for submissions for your uh, for your projects uh, to be considered for awards will be coming up as well. So we'll certainly let you know about that. Definitely. Uh, Story High, the animation edition announced uh, their awards and 10 animated shorts from BC and Alberta will each get 10,000 bucks. So congrats, guys, uh, to the winners um, and to the people who applied and did not win. It's still an excellent experience. So uh, thanks, as always, to Story High for doing that because they don't have to. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the new issue of Luma Quarterly is also available right now. This is the sixth issue. And... Um, you know, it's something that you've been involved with. Yes, of course. Uh, so yeah, Luma is a, a joint publication between uh, the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers and Media, the, the video arts collective uh, in Calgary. And uh, this is a, an, an awesome publication that discusses all things uh, media and... Um, media art. Yeah, media art and uh, discourse and essays. And uh, it's, it's a lot more um, critical and cerebral than a podcast like this. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's more about wrapping your brain around stuff and talking about storytelling and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's cool. cool. It's a cool publication. Check and it out. This quarter, there's essays by Alex King, Lauren L- uh, Lavery, Murray Leader, uh, Nicola Wall, Wall, and Nancy Webb. And I'm so sorry about everybody's names. <laughs> so you can check that out at lumacorderly.com. Fava is offering a Christmas special on rentals. This is cool because they're shutting down. Um, so you can pick up gear on December 20th and drop it off on January 4th. Let's do the math. 15 days and you'll only be charged for four days wow people. so make a That's movie a this christmas if you're in edmonton deal. yeah um, um we were we, we recently had a podcast all about the herland workshop and um we mentioned that the next uh iteration of of that program is happening again and right now they're looking for instructors uh to help um provide um feedback and influence to the the female filmmakers that are going to be making their films through the program um so if you've got something that you think would be valuable to that program, um, definitely you know do your research and 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 find out you know what they're up to now and and uh, and see if uh, you can offer some some wisdom to those those uh, participants. Absolutely. Uh, and the big thing that I'm excited about is that the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers has moved. It's going to be in a new place. Yeah. So the building that uh, the CSF was in, the old Y, um, was it was tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was pretty tough. Tough to find parking. Tough. Uh, you know, lo- no like loading bay, um, and small fight for that community space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they've now moved to seventeen twenty five Tenth Avenue Southwest, mm. and uh, Matt has seen the space. Mm-hmm. Tell us, tell it's, us. Uh, it's fantastic, and I must say, it's it it was in a bit of a state of flux, and that's a great thing because there's a great big space 
at the back uh, that I, I think is going to be called the black box or maybe just the workshop space, but it's this great large area that can be filled with chairs for a screening room. It can be uh, used for, for workshops. It can be used, you know, for Phil Letourneau doing his camera workshop and get all the gear out there, get people hands-on with it. Um, and right next door to that large workshop space is the equipment room. And we were we were moving, and Phil Letourneau uh, was there. And Phil, you know, is a veteran of of this industry and, and this city, and has been around the CSIF since its inception. And and he was actually he's seen every location that the CSIF has been in. And there's I think this is at least the fifth. And he says this is the largest equipment room we've ever had. This isn't this is crazy because right now that's where all the the furniture is as well. Right. So all the furniture is being stored in there while the rest of the place gets some work done on it and the equipment room. So it's going to be uh, a lot more space, a lot more ability for us yeah. to kind of beef up that gear room without you know running out of space. And, and there are plans to build like an audio booth mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know editing suites. Of course, will that's already right. be there and uh, meeting rooms and you know, audition spaces, mm-hmm, like you can, mm-hmm. you can repurpose this for a lot of different things. Yeah, so, it's uh, going to be cool. So excited. And uh, it's, it's a great step forward for this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Calgary International Film Festival, uh, we've, we've aired at least one, maybe two of these. Yes. Uh, series, yeah, right? I, yeah. I think just one, just the telephone one so right. far. Um, and this is a cool conversation uh, with Johnny Ma and Linda Ohama uh, about their films uh, and their experiences working uh, overseas as filmmakers. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, there's a great Q and A, uh, and big thanks for to the Calgary uh, International Film Festival yeah. uh, for including us and uh, letting us be a part of it. Um, yeah, and, inter- I mean, international filmmaking is uh, only getting more popular, right, mm-hmm, and more mm-hmm. important. I mean, you look at films like Room, right, that right, are yeah. Canadian co-productions for sure. uh, with other countries. Um, so they discuss the differences here in culture, funding, and customs from Brazil, Australia, Mexico, China, and Japan as compared mm-hmm. to Canada. So it's um, illuminating and uh, and sometimes it feels like we're in our own little bubble here, but I think thinking bigger um, is going to be better for everyone's career and uh, and Calgary is, and Edmonton or, and Alberta, of course, as a whole. So, yeah, and check out these films: Old Stone and uh, New Moon over to- Tohoku. Tohoku. Um, Old Stone. Uh, Old Stone sounds really interesting. So anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll let the filmmakers speak for themselves. And uh, thanks again to the Calgary International for letting us uh, record this. I'm Taylor. I'm the Filmmaker Experience Manager at the Calgary International Film Festival, presented by ATB. Um, I'm super excited to be here and um, be a part of the Behind the Screen series, which is really meant for everyone to get a greater appreciation of filmmaking and get a deeper understanding with our visiting filmmakers who we're so pleased to have with us. Um, the Behind the Screen series has so many sponsors, I just want to give them a quick shout out. They're your local unions and guilds. So that's Actra Alberta, DGC Alberta, uh, local IATSE Local 212, and um, RBC Emerging Artists Project. I don't have to look further than the signage, really, um, to remember everybody. So I think um, that's it. I like to keep my introductions super brief um, because they're here to talk to you, and you'll be able to get answer questions later. So dream up those questions now because we're going to let them chat for a bit, and you'll be able to ask them. Um, without further ado, I'll, do, I'll give you guys probably the briefest introductions you've ever had before. Um, but we've got Linda Ohama, who's an independent documentary film director, producer, writer, and visual artist. Um, and you have your world premiere of A New Moon Over to Hoku tonight. Yay, that's exciting. So hopefully you're all headed straight to the theater from here. Um, and we also have Johnny Ma, um, who's your feature, Old Stone, um, had, it, had its world premiere at 2016 Berlin Alley Film Festival. And it just won a, the City of Toronto Award at TIFF for Best Canadian First Feature, correct? Yeah, there 
you go. So congrats on that. Okay, see, shortest introductions ever. You're here to talk, so um, let's hear a bit about Johnny first. Yeah, uh, hello. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we just met literally five minutes ago, so we just leave it out all here. But I guess um, I'll just quick intro about myself. I was, uh, I was born in uh, Shanghai, and then uh, I immigrated to Toronto at, at uh, 10 years old, and then I grew up in Toronto, and then in Vancouver, I went to university. But uh, after uh, 2005, I really I left uh, Canada, and I really haven't uh, sh worked in the film industry over here. So I've, I was in Australia, in China, during the Olympics, working in documentaries for uh, British and uh, German television, mostly. And then in Australia, I was working in commercials. And uh, and then 2010, I uh, enrolled in Columbia University in New York in their directing program. So uh, it was a pretty international program so using that I was able to make a film in Brazil and also of course in the States and uh, and then I went back into China to make my last short film and also the first feature here so I guess I could offer some uh, sort of insight into sort of filming abroad compared to how uh, the system here is in Canada Wow that's really impressive um, I think that's great and that you filmed in China and, and finished something that, um, that you created you have the idea that's in incredible too because it's not that easy to do in China yeah it's it's uh, I would just say China is <laughs> like to make a film in China it is really hard compared to independent like especially independent filmmaking compared to the US or in Canada especially but um, I mean I, I my feeling with Canadian filmmaking always is um, the, the public funding system is both good and bad for for the filmmakers here because you end as a filmmaker you end up waiting a lot you know for for the money to come in because Canada for especially for short films is still a country where uh, you could get twenty thousand thirty thousand for your funding which you know a lot of filming that that's fantastic and we're in the United States I remember in New York especially there's so many really good filmmakers and there's just no funding at all so you have an idea you just go out and do it for fifty dollars or a hundred dollars and you can see if that film works or not and if it doesn't work then you move on to the next rather than waiting a whole year to get this $20,000 and find out that the story doesn't work and then you're devastated by that whole experience yeah yeah well I'm from uh, Alberta originally I was born here and half of my family is here or most of my family so I have to say hello to all of them but so hello I'm actually kind of late so I'm sorry I'm I came here from Vancouver uh, today this morning uh, at noon and I my head is still on Vancouver time and so I was lying there on the bed and just thinking to myself I've got lots of time to put my feet up uh, and then I realized that it's Alberta time and it was <laughs> so I'm sorry that uh, I agree with you that like the funding here really um, isn't easy and it takes a long time and when you do get funding it's very little so that makes a lot of us uh, that have experience filming abroad uh, work abroad because the, the support and the money is easier to get and uh, I shoot a lot uh, well I just finished shooting uh, two and a half years in Tohoku in the disaster area but before
before that, uh, I've been shooting in um, Onimichi, Hiroshima, which is the hometown of my grandmother, my Obachan, which I went to Onimichi 17 years ago to uh, ans uh, answer some questions for my grandmother. And in doing that, I created Obachan's Garden, the film, and also um, got involved with the film community in Onimichi, which is a little town, but you have to come because it's uh, it's a, a film town. We have a film museum. I say we because I kind of think that's my town too. And uh, famous movies were made there. Ozu's Tokyo wow. Story. Wow. Uh, Vim Vendor's works there. Yeah. Um, Obayashi Kantoku works there. He's, this is his hometown. Actually, do you mind, let me I'll just ask you, like, about your film. So it's a documentary, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know so much about the disaster that could you talk about, because I was living in the like, kind of film bubble a little bit. Oh, boy. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I'm just curious. Okay. So when the disaster happened, I was supposed to start a movie in Onimichi with the Onimichi group, uh, but I postponed the, the, the filming because the disaster happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought as a person who loves Japan and, and has worked there and has received a lot from Japan, that I should go up there and see what it was like and what I could do. I didn't go there as a filmmaker. Okay. I went there as a volunteer. Uh, but it was so shocking and so moving and well, all I can say is that if you were driving down a highway there was a big accident that you uh, in front of you and a lot of people were all injured and in pain and, and asking, screaming for help or crying and needing help uh, you, you have to stop and help them, no? Normally you can't just drive home and forget so once you see it uh, if you see it on TV or something, it's quite easy to forget. But if you see it in, in real life, it is hard to just walk away and go home. Okay. And in terms of the people that helped you to make the film, I mean, it was just a very small crew, all Japanese or some Canadian, just yourself? Okay. Oh, basically myself. Okay. Um, uh, I have somebody here from Onimichi who came with his two sons all the way from Onimichi last night, yesterday, uh, Mitsunari. Gal. People like Mitsunari, uh, I didn't have a camera, mm -hmm. and so I had this little Nikon. Oh. And I, when I first started shooting, I, I was using that little Nikon. Yeah. So my footage is kind of rough sometimes. Okay. But I, uh, I decided, I, I, I um, decided soon that I better get a better camera, yeah. especially for sound. And so I phoned Onimichi, and then Mitsunari gets together a camera for me and some equipment, and another. Onimichi person gets me a pup tent because there's no hotels yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have to live in this uh, a tent uh, along the disaster area and so mm -hmm. basically you live uh, and film mm -hmm. uh, kind of raw okay you know I, I have to say like the Jap like the, the different uh, cultures and the different places and how uh, the, 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 
the community support film it's huge because you know uh, especially yeah. independent filmmaking I, yeah. I thought that I had an uh, experience with Japanese uh, sort of filmmakers or artists uh, on on the film that I just made because I, we were you know when we first made the film we had no idea how it was going to do and so I just used music from wherever you know which is a big mistake that no yeah. independent filmmaker yeah. should do and then afterwards when we actually got distribution uh, I had to clear all those music and I realized you know we had music from pop music from the uh, from American Idol people uh -huh. but we also had uh, very very uh, avant-garde music from Japanese artists and one of them turned out to be Raichi Sakamoto oh, who is uh, yeah. the, the very famed uh, 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 composer from Babel and The Revenant and the films like that so uh, we were you know and I was like I'm never gonna get this this music and then and I heard that he was very difficult to reach because he's very you know and he was quite sick yeah. and so through Sundance I was able to get a contact for his wife and I just wrote him a long email uh, her email about this and uh, I mean they were so generous with it and also I, we had two songs from Toru uh, to Toki uh, the, 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 the composer that passed away he did music for I think uh, Ran and uh, some of those other music for Kurosawa for Kurosawa yeah and so we had some of his songs that was composed for another film so which our Japanese lawyer told me that this is going to be really impossible unless you had a lot of money so all of those incidents you know the artists once I appealed to them their sense of sort of what they were they were very very nice and helping us and yeah. even when we were dealing with Sony which Sak was yeah. dealing with Sakamoto's uh, music yeah. uh, Sony stopped us two, tw two times actually and then we went back to uh, uh, Reichi's wife uh, and she basically cleared the path for us and you know for any <laughs> for the American songs and the European sort of songs, like it was all by the books so for independent filmmaking at least I, I yeah I, we I, have support I think yeah. especially abroad yeah yeah I yeah. don't know why is it because we're foreigners no, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like, you know, I feel very, uh, I, because I, I, I was, yeah, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just very warm comfort, you know, when, when, when dealing with uh, Japanese filmmakers. So I know that actually, if I go to Japan to make a film, I feel uh, that we will be supported, that we yeah. had, we have to connect, yeah. you know, where, uh, by contrast, uh, you know, in China, uh, independent filmmaking is a really ugly word. Yeah. So if you were, if you were, if I'm talking to an investor and the first question they really want to know is, is are you making a commercial film or a, or art house film? And if it's the latter, then you can just see them glaze over. Yeah. They're not really interested anymore. Well, so yeah. you can't even Facebook. Yeah. So I mean, so for me, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I did post production of my film deliberately in New York so that I could feel uh, warmed by the by support. You know, because in, back in New York, people thought, oh my God, you just you just did your first feature film. What do you need? Can can I help anyway? Where in China, it was really about you have to you have to tell them exactly how much you can pay them first yeah. before they will even talk to you so yeah. that's a big big problem yeah yeah it does, it, that's weird because I was in touch with Sakamoto-san too except uh, he got sick and I uh, yes. asked him to write my music and he was willing to but then he got sick oh wow and uh, I have great musicians too Japanese that gave their their copyrights free mm -hmm. and actresses like uh, from Shall We Dance I yeah. have the lead yeah. actress mm -hmm. from there doing our narration so people just pitch in if if you're 
if you're passionate and and uh, well, a documentary is uh, kind of different because if they're if if it's a subject that's close to their hearts too, it's easy to get support. Yeah. Have you made a film here in Canada? I'm curious about. Yeah, that. a few okay. in Alberta. Too. And how did you find the uh, the support group here in Calgary or, or in Alberta or in other places? Well, from my family, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they bring out ladders. They wash windows. They clean houses. All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, but support from the industry is more. I'm sorry, but uh, dollar and cents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I find it's it's the kind of a thing where uh, I, I know more about Vancouver. You know, Vancouver has been a, more of a service industry for Hollywood yeah. films. So yeah. some of those, uh, you know, some of the people who work in the post, they they make very good money yeah. there. Um, so it's harder for them to work on anything that's smaller unless they just have the time to do yeah. it. So it always feels that's like right. a big favor, you know, that's when right. you're doing it for you. So um, where I feel like in Toronto, maybe in contrast, there's I mean, there's just a bigger community maybe of independent filmmakers. So, I, I mean, I never made a film in Toronto, but I, I feel that there's more of this sort of kind of like in New York where everybody's just, you know, they, they, if you have an idea and people are free, they're just willing to help, you know, it's just even if it's no, no, no payment or something. Yeah, well, Vancouver is my hometown, so I have uh, industry support. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really lucky. But um, one thing about working abroad is uh, language and cultural like understanding the culture mm-hmm. because you can say something or ask something uh, and it can be considered rude or uh, uh, like that we don't understand that right um, so we get some forgiveness for being uh, not from the country but uh, it's something that you learn along the way right. have you shot a film that's not Japan or in Canada or like in a, in a place where you didn't speak a language then well, I didn't speak Japanese. You don't speak Japanese? Well, I do now. Okay. Oh, okay. kind of, right? Kind of. <laughs> I don't really speak Japanese. Do I miss you? <laughs> but uh, I had to learn quickly because I was shooting on my own. And in Tohoku, nobody speaks English because it's kind of, it's like going to northern Alberta. Um, uh, north of Edmonton and uh, expecting them to speak French yeah. or something like that. But <laughs> do you feel that like when you're by yourself? That's not a very good uh, no, no, no. But the, you know the uh, the thing is like in documentary filming because I did some of I did that during the the lead up to the Olympics, you know, and it was a little easier to shoot because we had a smaller crew in yeah. China. But the thing is like I always feel, you know, uh, the, the, uh, a huge difference sometimes, you know, in at least when I was filming in China is uh, if you just have a camera you know by yourself and people are helping it's, it's sometimes easier because you can have yeah. access but yeah. sometimes it's even harder because they're like oh you're making a film but you're making a film with right. this you right. know like right. so they don't, don't really they don't take you very seriously yeah. so actually I remember with my, with my producer we deliberately had like more uh, just things like lights out you know even but just, you look like a filmmaker <laughs> you look like a film director I don't look like a film director. So but that's better, I think. You know, that's better. I think it's like for documentaries, it's way better. I, mean, I think that. No, like, no, no, not always. Because like in Japan, like it's a man's man's industry, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I say, who's the director? Who's the director? Oh, and like, yeah, that's, that's pretty true. Yeah. But you would say I'm the director, and you would like everybody would. Have <laughs> Well, in China, I had to. Um, they they asked me to uh, uh, 
like because on every shoot they, they asked me to because I was much, I'm a little older now but I was much younger when I was first shooting there and they asked me to grow my beard very long or my hair very long just so I look like an eccentric you know because uh-huh. so, like, that's I guess how they see uh, artists you know it's uh-huh. just you have to have this long sort of Fu Manchu beard that you can stroke you know for wisdom or something you know? so anyway but we, we can open up to Should some questions to some people, questions yeah I don't know oh we've got one right away here uh, yeah. Oh. Oh. I just like to repeat the question to make sure everybody heard it. But the question was, um, did you get funding from Sundance? Yeah, uh, Sundance is. Uh, I mean, that, that's an amazing uh, institution in the for United States uh, independent filmmakers. So there's no really a, other institution that helps filmmakers like Sundance, and I, I think that uh, that's why you know for every uh, American independent film to make a film and it gets into Sundance, I mean, your 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 dream is made. So I was very lucky to be selected for their uh, their, their they had a uh, screenwriters and directors lab so that was a really uh, kind of a, I mean that really took took me from out of grad school and just you know sort of put me in the limelight and gave me an agent and all that stuff so my my uh, my mentor in the first uh, in, when I was there was uh, Quentin Tarantino you know it was a, it was there it was his first first time back at the institution institute doing the lab uh, after 20 years since uh, he did uh, Reservoir Dogs so the institute is where basically uh, the Reservoir Dogs got its uh, start as well. So they, they supported me throughout the whole year on another project. Um, and uh, so it was really, I mean, sometimes they would just give, give me a check for $5,000 just just to just to let me know like they're still helping me, you know, so I mean, for no reason at all. So it was really, really nice. Um, and, you know, when I started... I told you you look like a director. Pardon? I told you you look like a director. <laughs> Did everybody catch that? Linda just told him, I told you you look like a director. I mean, yeah, I don't know many other people who can get a check for five thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, the, but those, those, that, that's that kind of money in the in the United States. It's really, I mean, because I meet a lot of people from Europe as well, you know, and they talk about, you know, in the level of first time filmmakers making a feature film in Germany is about like one point two million, something like that, and they collect it through all of the different uh, uh, regional funding sources. But let's say it's a it's a much bigger level, and it's all connected to the television stations there where in North America uh, I would say that uh, level but it's about 100,000 now you know that's the sort of the level of independent filmmaking in Canada it's more it seems I, I see people around the 600,000 to the 1 million dollar mark if you have that help from Telefilm and Harold Greenberg and such so uh, Sundance you know they, they don't you know they don't actually fund the film but they they're very uh, you know when you're at when, when every year when they announce that institution of screenwriters lab you know it's a it's a huge uh, it's huge news because everyone in Hollywood or New York wants to know what those projects are so uh, definitely that took that project in my name and and, and brought it out into the uh, sort of the, the, the industry do we have another question yeah, and I guess every every country has its own sort of in to the, to the game, you know. And traditionally in Canada, it's from what I understand, it's been the CFC, and and but that there is this sort of a, a new sort of wave of filmmakers in Toronto that doesn't really like the films that CFC produces, and I think that they're actually making better films, you know, than 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 and those. And tighter budgets. And tighter budgets as well. Yeah. So because you know, just more uh, more alive and more yeah. more spontaneous in a 
yeah. more fun. They have to fight harder. They have to fight harder. I mean, documentaries is another thing. I mean, in Canada, we're always known as sort of the best supporters of documentaries. And so, actually, a friend, uh, my friend, Yong, Yong Chan, like, he tells me that his documentaries are made for close to a million dollars, you know? Oh. And I'm like, nowhere else in the world it gets that kind of funding for documentaries. Wow, so. I have to meet him. You have to, well, you, you, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, still these days in telefilm, I, I hope there's no telefilm people here, but there's a, you know, I, I, it's, a, it's a small group of people that gets that funding. So yeah. you really have to, uh, I don't know. You have to work, you, it, yeah, it's, it's usually the same people too. Yeah, you have to play that game where, you know, you go and network and, and, and yeah. you smooth talk, which is really has nothing to do with filmmaking, mm-hmm. you know, so, but but that's the game that in, in, sometimes in TIFF and and uh, the film festivals that you have to, to work at. But, uh, but, I, but I feel like now, uh, at least that new wave of filmmakers from Canada, they're, they're just making good works and people are just uh, acknowledging them, you know. So, I mean, I was very surprised that when, uh, actually, uh, when TIFF played my first first short film, I was, we shot it in Brazil. So, they, they and they played it. It was really kind of a shock to me. And, and that was, yeah, I mean, I asked that to them too. <laughs> Why did you guys play this film? And I think that they were just, uh, like, they were, um, it's, it's, it's very, uh, I mean, it had nothing to do with Canada, but I think that it was just, they wanted to support Canadian talents, you know, and, and since that film, uh, Every, uh, I played another film that was shot in China there and then my first feature film they took it and, and they gave me the best Canadian feature prize which I think it's a really it's a it's a statement that now that it's not just the Canadian content is much more diverse now so it's it's better I think for filmmakers not to have to uh, uh, align to this uh, this Canadian content right. which which right. really doesn't apply to everybody you know every, up, to, up to a few years ago that it had to be like Canadian or on Canadian location even yes. uh, over 50% of it and over 50% uh, crew yes. and talent and uh, it really confined a lot of people like Nettie Wilde who just go out to the world yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I, I think that's a bad thing to to make our, our too, too limited yeah, yeah. yeah but then I mean there's the other side of the argument where like a film like The Room you know it's 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 stated as a telefilm film but, but I, 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 like there was not not so, so much Canadian, like, you know, part. That was a mistake of telefilm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's still nice. um, you mentioned about the support you feel and that kind of thing in different places. What what would change that for you here? What would, what would make you go, uh, I'm going to really, this is an important film for me to make in Canada. Well, uh, without very many restrictions, uh, like where you have to shoot, uh, who you have to shoot with, and all this. And like, if I, if, if you want your subject is in another country, or uh, to just be free to do your work. I mean, that's what art is, without having to be. Um, censored in a way uh, by the funding and I think that in a country like ours uh, we're so diverse that we should just be open to no censorship really of, of where where we make our films I mean art has to be art not junk but you know. 
for me, it's I mean, I think it's still the story. Uh, I, I don't really understand this whole, you know, coming to Canada just for the tax reasons. I mean, like in the States right now, a lot of people are going down to Georgia and, and places that to, to get the tax credits, you know, and, and that's, and sometimes in the budget, it just doesn't work out quite right because you make people travel and you have to put people up in the hotel room. So it's a, it's a balance. And um, I mean, I, sometimes I, I do get a little, uh, I, I do get a little scared about coming to Canada to film with a proper crew here because I, I sometimes in Vancouver sometimes I, I find talking to some of the filmmakers there they care about different things than I was consider important you know like I, I remember in LA like in some of the uh, film school I worked on a, a film a film shoot for USC the the United I don't know what they what they stands for but that's that's considered to be the studio's backlog of the of the film school they were very good at uh, you know paperwork and a lot of equipment you know like they had trucks and trucks of lights you know coming there but the story is silly you know it's just like it's about nothing so it's uh, uh there's no uh but you know they're just very good at sort of you know that that whole machine of actually putting the production together and sometimes i do find that like uh, I, f I i i i miss having those like that short uh i said i mean it's just it's just like i some trying to explain to somebody that, that i don't care about the you know the mm. the the, the uh, sort of uh, these these rules these you know union rules or something we're just trying to get this this thing and and i think that uh you know i i, I do i so i do enjoy sort of the you know the new yorker uh, the new york filmmakers and and even uh you know sometimes i just I, I don't care if they're not professional i just think that it's it's the it's the it's the ideas uh and the, the passions which is much more important so uh i find those sort of rules and and the setup of the production kind of a hindrance to to making a good film so you know i think documentary is really great because you could just do it by yourself you have no limitation oh. where we're on a narrative film there was so limited by the size yeah. that we have you know and so it's just about finding the right size and to go in as mobile as possible so that people you can try to capture as much uh, real yeah, things as possible way. Yeah. yeah but i think working abroad too uh, you you have your way that you've done like in vancouver the way we do things but then when you go abroad say when i'm working in onamichi i they have a different way of looking at and uh, working and yeah. and so i learned from them and they learn they learn from me too uh, like we're big on sound mm -hmm. and where the japanese are not so great big on sound and so it's kind of a give and take and it's exciting yeah. because it, then it becomes a mesh of something new yeah. and and for them for for us like um we're able to create something that's different i mean the, uh, the there's just different rules everywhere i find i don't know about japan but like i just remember in china all the all the things that you you worry about while shooting a film here like budgetary level is completely opposite where here i think you're worried about location how much the cost and how much the crew costs the equipment and uh, travel you know that kind of stuff where in china you know meals are uh, you know average uh, three four dollars per person you know for meal and uh, even hotels were pretty 
cheap. It was like twenty dollars for for a room for for per, 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 per person. Where the things that were expensive there were actors were extremely expensive. The crew fees were really expensive. So like I can't even read a budget sheet over there because you know it's just completely opposite. And in Brazil, you know the number one thing that you have to have on any independent film there is a security guard. You know because that carries a licensed gun. It's really it's, it's really scary over there. Yeah. Because, wow. So I, I was actually even like I'm I'm, I'm the on the film that I shot in Brazil. I was actually even stabbed by uh, by uh, a, a, a screwdriver. Yeah, we had our cameras all over the stolen, and, and like it was wow. just really crazy. But that's but that, those are just different places that you know that you have to watch out for. It's just the different rules. Yeah. So is there something um, you've taken from these different places that you have worked that you're like, oh, they do this really fabulously here. Uh, this is something I'll take with me into no, no matter what project I'm working on. Well, I like the, the whole poetic uh, way of thinking in, in, that Japanese have. It's uh, not direct, but it's kind of like this. That's so, I, I love it. And I, I learned so much from the way they shoot um, doing that. And it's exciting because they, they can show me another way of doing what I dream. Like I have this dream, and then I, I think it's this, but then they show me it could be this. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I feel like whenever I'm editing a film, I, I, I've been editing my film in New York so far, and I feel that the editing speed is extremely, extremely fast because just the taste of, you know, North America, you know. And so sometimes I do enjoy, like, U European film because they don't have, uh, you know, any, uh, you know, they, they get their funding from the government, you know, which, you know, their whole goal is to make art, you know, that kind of thing, and which is a good thing, but sometimes it could be a bad thing, you know, because it would be too much... Uh, BS part kind of thing and uh, and but it's nice to have that time and, and just relaxation to just sit back and, and let something breathe which is uh, I think that in, in the US uh, you don't have that time because you know like the average shooting days in the in the American independent film these days is like 18 days you know and uh, so and then in China it's you know it's different because it's like we don't have um, so I shot my film in 28 days but in 30 days so we had two days rest in the whole month, which is insane because, you know, if I if I if I ask for two days off on the weekend, we still have to pay the crew and and everybody. So it's you know it's just no one on any Chinese production just rests. No, nobody rests. So you you shoot all the way through, even forty days, fifty days, and so that's so I, I I tend to understand okay you why you shoot so many more days because you you just don't you don't get as much I guess as an eighteen day in the U S. You know and and Europe I think is much longer too and they have this you know they usually do five days and then rest two days which you can actually have a life you know which is really nice. I shot a I, I did I worked on a film in France in Paris actually with uh, one of my professor had a film and it started Maggie Smith and uh, Kevin Klein and 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 oh God, I can't remember her name the one in the English patient this woman Krista Scott Thomas and um, and at 6 p.m. we were done <laughs> you know so I could I could go out buy bread buy wine and go home and have a nice meal and it was so nice and then in the in the afternoon you have you have wine you know and you drink it and then like I, I wanted to to eat you know I thought because you 
you're used to this buffet style. You eat and you go back to work. And and the, and you know, there's one chef and he says, no, 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 you sit. You know, and I said, oh, can I just have the main because I got to go back. He's like, no, you take an appetizer and then you take a main and then you take the dessert and then you go back and then you take a nap too. Like the gaffer, yeah, the gaffer brings his dog on on set and he ties the dog to to it to a light pole. You know, to to this uh, light stand that's like you know, fifteen uh, or whatever thousand watt or whatever. And the dog is looks like the gaffer. You know, just stands standing very very for some people that don't know though usually like uh, a regular film set day in Canada is 12 hours and I think yeah so that's done by six is a rarity regular in Japan is 20 hours 20 hours they're doing 20 hour days now in 20 hour days I mean I was told in China that I could shoot as long as I want but we did keep it stopped at 12 because you you can't think after I I know that's what I I think too you could cause an accident yeah a lot of this actually I, I asked around because where did this come from to just keep working you know so hard I think it's the, from the 80s Hong Kong films those action films they just really I mean they really set the standard because they were actually really good and because some of those Hong Kong films in the in the 80s in the 90s they were they were so crazy but they were shot really quickly so uh, it came from just just crazy work hours and, and that's why they were able to get it done in, in such small budgets compared to what Hollywood would be able to do interesting do you have any other questions that come out here? Yep, one down here. So the question is about downloading culture and how that's changing the industry and also um, about YouTube and if living there for free. If you were to, if, if you knew that you were creating something that was so would it would it change what you're creating if you know it's just going to go for free on YouTube? Well, what I make doesn't make money anyway, so it would be free. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but I think it's a matter of respect of of uh, artistic uh, respect of who created it, and whether it's monetary or whether it's permission to. Uh, recognize the artist because it is their work and, and it doesn't always have to be money because a lot of us live and, and are able to create our works because the other artist doesn't charge us money but at least we acknowledge them and ask their permission because I think that's very important um, whether it's all about money or whether it's free I can yeah. I mean I, I, I remember uh I feel like, you know, the thing is like, I, I, I feel like I still make my film hoping for the big screen to pe- for people to enjoy it on the big screen. I don't mind people ask for it. I, I remember on my, I mean, I don't release any of my stuff on the, online, even the short films. Um, but I remember like I won this online contest and they asked if I could put my film online for a few days. And I said, okay. So I put it up for, uh, for three days. And I said, well, after this, if you miss it, I mean, here's my email address. If you just email me with a simple message to be like, hey, I'd like to see your film. This, this is who I am. I'll send you the link. I mean, that's that's no problem. But I feel like, you know, I think that because I made my film for the bigger screen, so if as long as I can control that, and hope, hopefully, you know, if people want to see it enough, then they'll go. They'll hopefully go to the theater and watch it because the experience in the theater is still kind of something very. Uh, 
you know, uh, I don't know. Just, just it's just something that hopefully we can keep. You know, as because I I I I, try, I watch films on my on my laptop and and iPad, and that's terrible. But uh, I do it because it's work. But whenever I get a chance to watch it in the in the cinema, I just enjoy the film so much more. So um, I, I'm always uh, happier for those experiences. So, but I do download movies as well. So, uh, so I, but I I, I, I I I'm sure I'm going to do my best to keep my film off the download but if someone happens to get a hand get their hands on it and upload it I would just say I mean I do it too so I can't complain you know right now the, like I think the last month they, they closed down all the the, the, up, the, the, the sources the, the BitTorrent sites so I haven't been able to download anything you know somebody and will figure it out somebody will figure it out eventually yeah they'll, they'll change the they'll change something and they'll figure it out so um, I haven't missed it so much you know but I, I because I've mostly been at festivals but if I haven't gone to the festivals then I would be like wow I'm, I wonder how I'm going to get my hand on watching that film um um, do you think culturally in it, it, it's different in the different places you kind of have lived and worked whereas like in North America it's very like well I'll just download it instead of maybe having the experience in a cinema or or just that value of this is art and I'm going to pay for it well, I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a film called A Touch of Sin uh, by, by Jia Ke, and it was a really crazy film, and they played a TIFF, and they actually got a distribution in China, and then the film made such a, a splash, a con, and it was a very uh, critical film about sort of the, the current society in China, and then uh, bec- and, the, and the government banned it, you know, and, um, but I would say because of that, more people now have watched that film because of download than uh, if it actually played in theaters. Obviously, the the distribute the investors and Judge and Kuro are not so happy because they didn't make it. They didn't make any money. It was an expensive film, but uh, uh, it was. It, I mean, to, if, if his whole goal was to get as many people to watch the film, I think he succeeded because um, through the downloading culture, uh, they they had they finally they were able to have access to that. And I think it, that's the in general in China. Um, when I'm like for for the last for the last film, I've been there and I'm based there right now working on a new film, and I can't get go to the theater and just watch. Uh, an independent film that doesn't exist at the venue there's no venues to do it so for me to keep up in in terms of sort of what's happening in the cinema sort of because I see cinema as a culture sort of movement uh, I, I can't do it you know and um, it's it's really so so that's so in there I, I, I feel like uh, I you know I should have the right to download me or something I don't know. right and I think that it's really it would be nice to be able to make a living and make money and I don't know that because like I'm different than Johnny like he's after the big screen and well I am after the big screen too but uh, but in a different way um, so yeah it would be nice for the money and not all this free downloading but when you're trying to not make a statement but trying to make small changes in the way people maybe perceive themselves or the world around them then whatever way you can get it out and whatever way people watch it that's really important but um, I guess it's all how you why you make your film cool. any other questions I just okay, oh. go ahead. Sorry, it's not a question. I'll go to the second point there, Phil. 
That was a comment. He's off to his 23rd film, I think. And, and, and he liked Old Stone, so there you go. Uh, do we have any... Oh, we have a question right here. Well, I think maybe it's more of a comment of what's going on was born and raised in Alberta and educated and graduated from, uh, from here and uh, but I'm not considered an Alberta filmmaker and so I, I don't qualify for anything here um, so I've lived in Vancouver for you know not very much of my if you take a percentage of my years um, and so I, I'm considered BC so if that could change, that would help, and, and it would attract me because I have lots of lots of films that and um, things that I want to express about Alberta and the prairies, and I would love the opportunity to bring foreign uh, a foreign crew, no, not all but partial, and teach them about here. They're like that. There's a, something. Yeah. Yeah. And. and create some sort of excitement and exchange an international thing but not like nothing to say about Hollywood but uh, a big Hollywood unit coming up here and then and then leaving like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like a few years ago, something happened in Vancouver where the tax credit, they dropped it. So, and then all of a sudden you see this vacuum of like, there's no work there because there was no local local uh, generated content, you know, because everybody there was, was in service industry and there was no uh, team of development that was creating their own content to keep it. And I saw so many, actually like that, those two couple years in Vancouver, they have this thing, it's called Crazy Eights, you know, and so it's like, you have to shoot a film in eight days so I don't think in those couple years I've seen more like high pro, pro, uh, production value films because all of those uh, people that usually work on those big films they were out of jobs so they, they just had no, they just had no work so they came and worked on these things for fun you know um, but um, but I, I re every time I go back to Vancouver I meet some friends there they're I always kind of I'm amazed that they're they're there and I I'm, I kind of respect that but then of course I'm the one that ran away to New York you know and and I feel like I I don't, uh, you know, and, but I, but it's hard for some of those filmmakers to stay in Vancouver or in Calgary uh, because the environment, the, the surroundings, not they can't just I have on Friday night have, you know, drinks with a bunch of filmmakers because it just doesn't exist in that way. So, and in New York, that's the that's the thing that you know, even though that there's no funding in New York that helps filmmakers, there's nothing, none of that. It's just the uh, community. the community. You know, everyone in in the coffee shop is a is a filmmaker or artist or something. So you have this. That's what it's 
like in Onimichi too it's like the community and so we all like get yeah. together and we all yeah. talk and get excited together yeah. and I feel like if there's a way to do this tax credit in a way to to uh, more in development in the talent you know rather than just like you know bring these Hollywood budget films and announce them on CTV you know to say oh this film this TV show is shooting here but to actually like you know put more money in in the actual filmmaking and uh, and maybe allowing you know uh, having sort of these competitions to allow people to shoot in the states you know I, I was just in the in, in in Nara in Japan where there was a festival and the the winning if you win the prize at the top prize in the festival you, you you have an obligation you have to make a film in that in that city so uh, you know I guess that's one way to sort of to, to do this and I don't I mean I but I do think that it's in these it's if you're not having if you don't have independent voices you know funding that source then you're going to dry up very quickly as soon as you let the tax credits go and, and I think that like uh, our, our Canada is so big and we're divided up in all these regions and yes regions are protect certain uh, artists like within that region so there are pluses to it but there are minuses to it as well because it, it pigeonholes us into these regions and wh why would we have to be like that uh, why can it be just wide open but even with the Canada Council grants, like it's re like a lot of the grants are decided uh, give so much to this region, and if this region didn't get any, so you better give some to the, this region. And like th there's a plus to that because, but there is also yeah, the other side. So what what would you maybe recommend if there's any emerging filmmakers in in the house? What what would you say is really important as a next thing they do in their filmmaking? Just keep making films and and connect with other filmmakers that are working. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I mean, create your community. You know, like I, I think that the thing that is really tough um, is to stay true to just what you want to do because the, if the whole surrounding is saying no, make these kind of films or just take these kind of jobs then it's very easy you know for a new filmmaker to just kind of be swayed that way and you don't get to make that film that's maybe no one quite understand but you only you understand and that sometimes people get the mistake that they're like oh those films are probably not good but actually those are the films that have the chance to be the most interesting one because you're actually showing who you are you know so um, those are tough like to, to do because you, you know when you don't have the support you, you just you, it's it's quite difficult but um, there was a few guys in uh, in Toronto uh, uh, that sort of got together and you know they kind of just grew up together and it's and it just takes a few people it seems all of those like you know Taiwan new wave Jap like uh, Iranian new wave and it all just starts with a few people so uh, and you know and, and that sort of starts this conversation because as soon as that happens then everybody else will jump on board and and, and, uh, and start making uh, sort of hopefully uh, more bolder films you know mm -hmm. so that's great um, we've had a I've been in a conversation with a few filmmakers this festival and um, one is on Facebook live you can see he suggests to get people drunk that's a great way to like kind of get ideas and characters and their stories and stuff and then another filmmaker said you need to build a rapport with your documentary subjects and stuff like that too and he said but if you're trying the drunk be careful because there's like slurring and you have to <laughs> if you're cutting footage together it can be difficult is there something like that you guys do when you're thinking about your whether it's documentary or whether it's fiction in developing those ideas I don't get them drunk <laughs> But my, sometimes my crew gets drunk. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, 
I just try to give them who I am and hopefully in exchange I get who they are I, I try to be honest and not be pretentious or, or try to play tricks on them that would be horrible. Yes. And so if I'm going to be like that, I, I don't expect honesty back from them. Um, so, but I think yeah. for a documentary, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I had this, uh, I mean, when I had no, you know, no budget, like I think, you know, when I shot a, a film in Brazil, it was $1,500 and then, you know, it was just very little. And US? US dollars, yeah. Oh. No, not including the flight and the things like that. I was going to say, like, did you, <laughs> you must have been already there because that's... Yeah, yeah, we're, that's yeah. <laughs> you know, it was still very small but I, you know the crew and things like that I mean you can always figure out a way to put, put that together but always the tough part is um, when you're an outsider to a community is how you get into the community and and have access because you don't know where are the best locations are where, where how to get extra you know mm -hmm. you, may, you might have the, uh, the, the lead actor but who are all the other people mm -hmm. surrounding it so I did this thing where it, it worked for me uh, and I did it in Brazil in, in, in US and in, uh, it was I, I, I enjoy documentaries so I looked Look for because I can't afford actors. I don't have time to 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 hire an act casting director. So I find people who I think are really interesting to put on camera. You know, from a story point of view, uh, and you know, I and I usually hang out with them. I chat with them, and um, and, and usually I look for people who are already kind of they have a sense of sort of the kind of people that I was hoping to find. You know, in in those communities, and then um, and if they have, you know, I don't know if if there's something. Of, of my the story that I want to tell and their story their life story connects in some way uh, I tried we try to fuse it and so in some way the story I end up ending uh, writing in that community is half of it is his story so because I think that everybody has to have something to gain that's from. how you're drawn together yeah it's part of the destiny or whatever the luck or that that brings you to, to that person and keeps you staying with that person yeah I mean but you, you can also manipulate it to, to make it work better because you know let uh, the thing that what I'm saying is um, when you don't have money you, you have to be uh, much smarter in other ways so when you uh, you know if you if you find a character and it doesn't fit your story but he's such an interesting character anyway so you rewrite your story to to, to connect with him more uh, because he's a non-professional actor you know you can't you can't you can't uh, be hope that he's just going to be amazing all the time but if he asks him himself I mean if you, if, if you just give him the goal to be like hey if you can just be natural you, you that's all I want. And then all of a sudden, you know, if they're connected to this, then probably they'll bring on, you know, like, I, I mean, all the films that we shot in Brazil and in China, it was their families that ended up acting the film. We ended up using their house. We ended up using the, where they work, you know, so all of the locations and everything sort of fell, fell in place. So, and it, you, then you get that authentic sort of town, you know, uh, that, that small town, and they end up being a producer of it. And you end up going through something really special together because it's not, you know, when actors come on board they're either coming on for fame or or, 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 or money but, but that's that's not completely true but I would just say that like you know when you bring on real people and and this really means something to them because it's you know to make a film is so much work you know so uh, when they see that this is something that they can really have as their own and, and bring and, and you know and to, to memorize you know part of their life or that moment in their life then it makes the whole process just much more special and the people the crew can feel it as well 
because they've been on all these shoots and all of a sudden you're on this one that it just feels so personal and and because somebody other than the director and it's, it feels so connected to the story you know that's magic yeah it's fascinating um do we have one last question to wrap can I, can I just leave oh. the stage for a second please okay well, you leave, can carry on leave the stage for a second no questions it's it's so quiet well oh we do have one so if it's a historical piece your question is how easy would it be to maybe do a co-production if it's if the historical yeah, I mean, co-productions, you know, there's so many rules. It's so complicated. Like, the book is that thick, you know, and I, I don't know much about it, but, you know, I, there's all, the, like, there's many ways to get co-production money. You know, you, you if you have uh, French actors in the film or if you have, or it's a French story, then, you know, or like some kind of talent that's uh, French, then potentially you can get French money, you know, or, uh, or like, you know, even uh, I think European, you know, a European film sometimes is made with like five, six different countries involved. And, and and that doesn't always it's not just about the story because the story can only be one and there's only <laughs> one ancestor maybe like a Scottish one that you can get the Scottish money but you can also get Swedish money if you're if you're trying if you bring out bring on a Swedish producer who can bring on uh, who can po provide post-production facilities you know and so all these things and I think the Europeans are really good at it um, you know but sometimes it's uh, it, yeah it's just about like whether or not it works for the story or not but uh, surely uh, the, that that's what you just said uh, sounds like it could be a, a possibility for co-production yeah. okay we have to wrap it up really quickly but can I give you one last word what can I ask you what you're hoping people leave uh, your film feeling tonight um, how special their their life is their own life is Okay. How special life is every day. <laughs> How special life is every day. And appreciate it. Don't think about the negative, but try to live the positive. That's. I think that's good advice in general. Um, so look forward to that and a new moon over to Hoku. Hopefully you're headed straight there now, but please um, join me in thanking Linda and Johnny for spending this time with us. Yay. All right. That okay. was awesome. Yeah, so we've uh, this is one of three uh, series that we recorded at the Calgary National Film Festival, mm -hmm. and the yeah. third one yet to be released is... We'll have another one coming up, uh, Female Filmmakers Focus, uh, a talk uh, in the same space um, and uh, kind of the same format. So. Right, awesome. Yeah. All right, so let's get back into the news you can use, upcoming deadlines. Uh, Ampia is pleased to announce that two new pilot programs will assist members to strengthen their business and increase their access to markets. Uh, this is awesome. Thanks to new funding uh, from the Alberta government, Ampia can have a mentorship program as well as an access to markets program. Um, so there's a few details, but the, the long story short, the mentorship program um, will give up to four grand to cover the cost of hiring a trainee for up to 16 weeks. Um, you have to match those funds, of course. Um, training can happen anytime from December to June. And uh, the market access program will award up to $2,000 per successful applicant to offset the costs of attending a major market or festival from December to March uh, 2017. That's awesome. Super awesome. Super exciting. Um, apply, apply, apply. Yeah. There's no reason not to. Yeah, and I mentioned this last time around, just a reminder that the deadline for the Women in Film and Television Vancouver program known as From Our Dark Side, uh, this is the third round of it, um, is that that's going to be due on January 6th, 2017. Um, and you're going to be submitting a maximum three to five page genre film outline um, to get some uh, mentorship and development help uh, with your project. And a uh, friend of the show, Lindsay McNeil, I should actually, I can probably cut this. 
Lindsay McNeil got it uh, one of the rounds and uh, and she loved she she's had some very positive things to right. say about it so it's a cool program um, so get your uh, outline in the link is in the show notes also in the show notes you'll find the link to the Fava Fest 2017 call for submissions mm-hmm. uh, the deadline to submit for awards of excellence is coming up uh, January 9th um, this is so great. I mean, it's so awesome that Edmonton has these these uh, film awards. Um, it is, isn't it? So if you've made a film, video, or interdisciplinary work of media art completed after July 1st, 2015, so it doesn't have to be this last year, consider applying for one of eight awards of excellence. Um, all projects submitted to the awards of excellence will automatically be considered for outstanding cinematography, screenwriting, performance, production design, and editing. Um and if you have an idea for a new project or are in the middle of a project and need a little extra help, consider applying for one of four production awards. Um, so awesome. Really exciting uh, program that exists. Uh, I'm jealous. Um, congrats, Fava. So check out fava.submittable.com slash submit uh, and get those in. Yeah. And uh, the Yorkton Film Festival, again, a reminder that uh, the early bird deadline has passed uh, for the 18 categories that you can apply to at the Yorkton Film Festival. But you can still apply uh, and submit uh, for the uh, prior, uh, for the, I guess, I don't know, mid deadline which is december 21st and then they're uh oh that is no that's their final deadline i'm sorry there's also a, a for if you're a student it's cheaper that's what i'm right. looking at there so so yeah early bird deadlines passed but the final deadline uh, december 21st you can still get into that yorktonfilm.com slash submit to find out all more about that matt do you remember one time um long ago where we talked about how the csaf moved yes yeah that was that's that was a good that was a good time <laughs> i remember that um I, if i wanted to see that space Mm-hmm. Um, is there a way that I could do that on December 9th from well, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m.? it does seem like the membership and, and the community in general should should be able to go and visit it. And I feel like that's true. Yeah. Um, you know what should Wait happen? Wait a minute. What's this? What? Oh, <laughs> CSAF holiday party oh, at the perfect. new location. Huh. Friday, December 9th uh, from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Come on down. It's a mixer um, and, a, and a showcase in the new space. Uh, I will be there. Matt will be there. Yeah. Uh, and we will say hello and mm-hmm. we will show you around. So, uh, For yeah, sure. Come on by. Uh, and media. And media is closed for the holidays, as as are most of these uh, artist-run organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, their dates are uh, December 10th. Uh, after December 10th, they're going to be closed for the holidays. They're going to be back in business on Tuesday, January 3rd at noon. So uh, they also have their Christmas party and garage sale happening uh, Saturday, December 10th. Uh, that's their final day open. And uh, I got to say, there's some cool items on this garage sale list. I, I looked at it um, and you can find out more uh, on their website. Actually, you know, I think you have to be a subscriber to their newsletter. So mm-hmm. if you've missed out on that, too bad for you. But I can tell you that there are some some cool uh, items available um, for super cheap. No, so, the, the, yeah, it is online. We'll have it in the show notes. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's in there. Yeah. Great. Um, like what? Give us a hint. Uh, no. I, uh. I. You know what? Actually, one that's really cool is the Canon XL2. Uh, oh which, nice old school like, remember when yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was, was that the was camera at the yeah. Time. yeah now you can pick it up for 200 bucks i want it yeah me too uh so yeah there's also a karaoke party happening after that starting at 6 p.m so it sounds like a good time so last year uh if you're a long time listener and we're listening uh last february we had an episode come out about story summit i don't mm-hmm. know if we talked about it in the interview but but we were jazzed yeah it was about fun. it mm-hmm. um really really cool summit in banff put on by ampia this will be its second year now um and it, registration is now open. So it's happening February 23rd to 25th. Um, and they, they describe it as a must-attend event designed for content creators, filmmakers, content owners, producers, directors, writers, gamers, visual effects artists, distributors, educators, and students. Um, 
It's got some interactive workshops you can attend, keynote speakers, panels, um, some networking uh, opportunities. And it's, I got to say, it's awesome. Um, yeah. It, I, this is going to be an event that, that uh, you know, unless the meteor hits us all, it'll, it'll go for a long, mm-hmm. years and years and years mm-hmm. and years to come. So get in while it's still young. Um, it's still affordable. Uh, StorySummit.ca. Again, we'll be there because uh, this is definitely a not a not to be missed. Thing. Yeah, it puts your head in a in, in the thinking ahead and in, into the future. Yeah, and, 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 and in it's a, a good positive place to be. like yeah. can actually do this kind mm-hmm. of a way. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool stuff. So congrats, Sampy, for putting that on and uh, sign up. Yeah. So uh, workshops that are coming up. We've got the this uh, Saturday right away here, December third from noon to six p.m. for free. It's that analog image processing. Uh, workshop, which is all about kind of using antiquated video formats to add uh, some nostalgia to your project. So um, if you want to learn how to use some of that uh, older equipment and integrate it into maybe a newer project, this is the uh, the uh, workshop for you. So uh, check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Alberta Foundation for the Arts is, ho- is hosting a grant writing 101 uh, workshop. So um, Matt, were you born a great grant writer? I was not. Nor no, was I. No. Nor was I. I couldn't write for starters, but, oh, right. uh, but grants especially. They're a totally separate skill from filmmaking, um, but just as essential, if not more so. So um, AFA is going to teach you how to write an effective grant application in time for the deadline, which is February 1st. So huh, interesting timing. The admission to the workshops is free, uh, but space is limited. So please RSVP uh, as soon as you can. So it's happening in, uh, in cities and towns all over Alberta, including Medicine Hat, Red Deer, Calgary, and Edmonton. Uh, check out um, the link in the show notes to find out when they will be in your area uh, and sign up. And it's happening right away here starting this Monday, December 5th. So uh, check it out. Yeah, very cool. Uh, and if you happen to miss that, uh, you could check out the CSIF Grant Writing for Independ- uh, Independent Projects workshop, which is happening on Saturday, January 7th uh, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's $120 for members and students and $160 for non-members. And uh, the Herland workshop uh, creator, Sandy Summers, is the is the person behind it all. So uh, going to be learning from her, which is, I mean, she's she's had her share she's of the grants. Grant, she's yeah, definitely someone to go to for, for that. Sure. Um, another workshop happening in the Calgary side of independent filmmakers is screenwriting 101. So if you're a new filmmaker um, and you want to know how to write a script, um, which is the basic building blocks of making a movie, uh, this is a 10-week workshop taught by uh, one of my favorite screenwriters in Calgary, Jason Long, um, who we've talked about before. He's been on the podcast. The man, the myth. Yeah. Participants will write in and out of class to discover and develop screen stories, learn methods of developing authentic characters, and analyze scenes and story sequences to understand conflict, rising action, and character arcs. Uh, Jason is the screenwriting instructor at State Polytechnic uh, for the film uh, program there. So um, if that's something that you're interested in or um, if you never went to State and you're kind of you want to learn from that brain uh definitely take this workshop mm-hmm. it's only 360 bucks for members and students for 10 weeks it's pretty good a 10 week course that's that's yeah. great uh, and if you're in edmonton you can be looking at the fava screenwriting course which starts february 21st uh and is uh goes until may 16th um and that one's 425 plus gst same same idea um it's all about learning how to write your film or one hour teleplay in this case um in a workshop setting so you can get some feedback on your project there so if you're a filmmaker in Calgary, the workshops that you're going to see are pretty specialized skills. You'll see cinematography, you'll see shooting on film, you'll see um, screenwriting. But Faba has a great program um, 
and it starts with the video kitchen and this is about training generalists so the early bird deadline for this course is january 9th 20, 2017 uh, and it runs from march 2nd to may 25th um, it's just under a thousand bucks and this is the introductory class uh, and a prerequisite to take their main course so um, it provides a creative place to explore and express your ideas visually uh, ingredients you'll mix together include screenwriting, budgeting, scheduling, casting, camera technique, shot list, storyboards, lighting, sound, and editing. Um, and at the end, you will have your own four to six minute short film to show for it. So uh, check it out, fava.ca to find out more information. And there is an early bird deadline I see to submit to that. And that's 795 plus GST, which is, you're going to make a four to five minute short, four to six minute short film for that price. That's a great yeah. deal. And like, learn how to do it at the same time. Yeah, like, it sounds yeah. expensive, but like the cost of producing a short film is yeah. high and that's, that's actually a fantastic. Deal. So it's a, it'll be a great little film school. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you enjoy that, then you can sign up for the Faba main course, which is happening at the same time. So you'll have to go through it next year. But if you have taken the video kitchen, sign up for the Faba main course. Uh, it's happening from February 26th. 25th to May 27th. It's about the same price. Um, and it's the intermediate production class. I've, I've known people who've taken those and, and it's been running. It's, it's a super popular workshop that they've had back when I lived in Edmonton and people love it. Um, and it, it's, it's a no brainer. Like if you're looking to get into this industry and make your own piece of work, uh, that's a great way to do it. Absolutely. So okay. what's shooting right now? We, we're kind of coming to the end of filming season. It's right. Scott. That's right. Well, y- yes and no. I mean, it, historically this was, this was the end. I mean, Heartland wraps, uh, hell on wheels would have wrapped in, in years past about this time. Um, so Heartland wraps on December 6th and all those people get to take a break, which, uh, they, <laughs> yeah. they very well deserve. Tin star, which has been shooting forever as well. Also wraps on December 12th. Um, Winona Earp season two will start filming on December 12th and Fargo season three is back in Calgary this year, um, to film over the winter. So it's great to have winter shows that are here that are filming. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. cool. And, and, and not a common thing in Calgary historically. Yeah. I'm, and I'm surprised that Winona Earp is shooting now like they're starting in the winter seems early to me too but yeah uh, but uh yeah obviously it seems to work out uh same with heartland heartland shoots in the winter often and and you don't really see it somehow on screen yeah it's true uh all right recommendations right yeah i wasn't joking i think i think we should recommend this this dgi dgi phantom actually any dgi product seems to be amazing i used the osmo one time and the uh the ronin is very cool they're they're just uh, the cutting edge technology when it comes to um, filmmaking um, gimbal esque right. product products. So um, yeah, they just seem to work, and they work with your phone, and it, 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 it's just they, they seem to be fantastic. So, do you remember last Christmas, Matt, mm-hmm. um, when I recommended the Flex Denim from American Eagle Outfitters? <laughs> uh huh. Well, guess what? What? They now have Flex shirts. Ah. And they have Flex underwear, and they have Flex socks. Disgusting. Well, the socks are nothing special because all socks are flex socks. But the underwear, mm. Matt, is so good. So flexy. And Matt, the shirts, I have three shirts, four flex shirts now. And uh, they're amazing. Like they are not like shirts that you've worn before. They're soft. <laughs> and you know how when you like you, you bend over and your shirt like follows you up your back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These don't do that. They just stay wow, put, wow. but they bend and they move with you and they're so comfortable and they look great. Um, God damn it! I need to get some money from these guys to promote their. I was going to say but... we're at least a box of this stuff for for the. Uh, yeah, for I'm going to send this to American Eagle and be like, guys, money, please now. Yeah, or yeah. like some free shirts. Yeah, yeah at like least free yeah, flex. Yeah. Like give me some flex. I'm pretty sure if you like podcasters advertise MeUndies a lot. Have you heard of MeUndies? No. They, anybody who advertises for them gets them. And I don't know. They're these cool underpants that I've never 
tried so i don't really know much about them but but uh they do uh they do give away free Indies. so yeah we didn't agree to anything uh, american eagle but let's just make it happen so thank you to briar as always for putting together the news and making this podcast happen and uh it also wouldn't happen without you me our, our audience oh the no. audience right no. it would it, it obviously does happen without me because <laughs> i go away and it uh, does not stop that's right so if you're an alberta filmmaker um this podcast is for you but it's also about you so if you've got something coming up that you want to share with the community let us know send us an email get in touch with us tweet us uh how can they reach us matt uh you can reach out at hello at abfilmcast.ca uh, and find us on all the social media platforms um and uh, of course on itunes where you can rate us five stars because oh, that five stars that really does help us get uh found believe it or not right. on, on the podcast world so by rating us five stars other listeners might find us and learn something so you can actually help your film community just yeah. by rating us five stars exactly it's, it's as easy as that um totally all right everyone well thanks for listening um now go, go make, make something. something one more time all right that's <laughs> that's briar's go. in the back laughing at uh, all right everyone well thanks for listening and go, go make, make something, something. Nice.